Another watch update for New York City and vicinity. Clear tonight, the lows in the mid-40s, mostly sunny and mild tomorrow, then becoming cloudy toward evening, the highs tomorrow, 60 to 65 inland, but lower at the shore. Chance of rain tomorrow night, lows 45 to 50. On Thursday, partly sunny, the highs in the upper 60s. Current temperature, 50 degrees, humidity 52%, winds west 4 miles an hour, barometer 30.03 inches, and steady. Highlights in the news at this hour. 32 more United States prisoners of war to be released on Friday. They'll include the highest-ranking civilian POW and the United States Army officer held captive longer than any serviceman in American history. Congress again challenges President Nixon on domestic issues, approving a $1.4 billion authorization bill for programs for the elderly, similar to a measure vetoed by the president last year. Albany meeting among Governor Rockefeller, state Republican chairman, and New York City GOP leaders fails to come up with a Republican mayoral prospect. And that's the latest from the WOR Newsroom, Lester Smith reporting. Over WOR New York, your station for news as it happens. I'll be back with another 15 minutes of news at 11 o'clock. Here's Gene Shepard. I just want to say something here. A general statement here tonight. General statement. Ah, there's a race of men that don't fit in. A race that can't stay still. So they break the hearts of kith and kin. And they roam the world at will. They range the field and they rove the flood. And they climb the mountain's crest. Theirs is the curse of the gypsy blood. And they don't know how to rest. God, if that ain't the truth, they don't know how to rest. How many of you out there got the curse of the gypsy blood? 
raging and roaring through your veins. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, I, I, the reason that I'm uh, speaking somewhat incoherently tonight is because I have just returned from Cloudland, Cuckooville. And uh, I'm going to uh, uh, report from the nation tonight, the official report from the nation. Yes, it's an official report. And uh, I think that is, it is the artist's uh, responsibility. Don't you agree, George? It's the artist's responsibility to... Uh, to uh, interpret his time and his place to his fellow, his fellow victims of that time and that place. Don't you agree? I mean, that's pretty damn pompous, really, actually. But uh, <laughs> that's, that's what his responsibility is, whether he ever carries it off or not, something else. However, I have just come back from Los Angeles. Now, I don't know how long it's been since you've been out in Los Angeles, but... Uh, I have just returned from uh, Cloudland out there, and uh, it's a it's a it's, it's you know has been reported by many many reporters. It is a uh, it's a different world out there. You've heard this many times. Well, I don't necessarily feel that's true. What I think it is is it's a glance into the future. Now, this has been said by other uh, blabberers too. Uh, I think that what happens these days out on the West Coast will eventually happen here. It used to be the other way around, of course. You know, the, it started all here. Uh, it used to be that what happened in the village two years later, they were taken up in the in the places like San Francisco. You know, they were beginning, but uh, no longer. That's that's all over. It's it's gone the other way now. The great teeter totter has tipped, and uh, New York <laughs> is now the bastion. Curiously enough, I believe it's now the bastion of conservative social behavior. Now, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about conservatives. And it, we may even be that, too, strangely enough. You know, let's face it. We're the only state of the union that has an avowed conservative senator. Let's face it. That we, <laughs> this is true. So, nevertheless, uh, we, 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 uh, we have to accept the fact that, there, that there's something going on out there that bears little relationship to what's going on here on 6th Avenue. Although, ultimately, it will affect what's going on on 6th Avenue. Now, the most the, the first thing that hits you when you when you come to L.A., first conceivable thing that hits you, at least hits me, is uh, for one thing, uh, L.A. is hung on slob food. Slob food is a major art form in Los Angeles. You may not have heard this before, but it is. I mean, slob. In fact, slob food is such a major art form. Now, what I, what I what do I mean by slob food? Well, now, you know, in New York, we still carry on the, the pretense and the tradition that there are elegant restaurants in New York. You know, we always talk about the elegant restaurants, even though they're quietly dying. Some of the greatest restaurants in New York and probably in American history have quietly died in the last few years here in New York City. But what grows? What is growing? Well, all right. Have you tried to get... In the rush hour, have you tried to get into your average chock full of nuts? Have you tried to get into your, your average Nathan's down here on 44th Street, right? So that's growing, see? It's quietly taking over. Now, what is this, uh, you know, what is it that is sold there? Well, what could be called generically slob food? All right, hey, give me a dog with, uh, with onions and a uh, whole of mustard, huh? A little pick lily. Well, that's a, that's a general order that is given in a place where slob food is uh, generally consumed, right? The next thing that follows is, uh, hey, got any root beer? And uh, there'll be a pregnant pause. 
Yeah, uh, give me the quarter size, a large one, yeah. Uh, no ice, uh, holy ice, huh? Well, this this is a this is a this is an order of of a twentieth century man uh, about to assuage the inner wants. <laughs> And so, so uh, I have, see, slob food is slowly beginning to take over in many different areas. For example, a friend of mine who was a doctor, and I was shocked. I mean, you, you generally think of doctors as being guys who, you know, think in terms of salads, uh, who think in terms of uh, healthful, high-protein food, you know, things like uh, uh, grilled steaks, and they, they specialize in seafood. No way. This friend of mine, I spent a weekend with this guy the other day. And what do you think he did every morning? You wouldn't believe what he did in the morning. He was a doctor, right? All right? He kept them in a refrigerator. And uh, the first morning, it was breakfast time, see? So Shepard, uh, you know, he's thinking about, well, what about breakfast? Maybe I'll have an egg. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe just a little coffee. Uh, maybe a rasher of bacon. He opens up the, the refrigerator, and he takes out his breakfast. He just takes it right out of the box. What do you think he has for breakfast? Two devil dogs. Now, you think I'm kidding? He has two devil dogs. He's a doctor, you know. <laughs> well, now, it has never been claimed that the devil dog is high in the protein and then uh, nutritional uh, characteristics. It's just something the kid scoffs, you know. It's kid food. In other words, slob food is basically kid food. And, uh, and so ki- this is getting to be a bigger thing. But it's, it's already arrived on the West Coast. I mean, it's really there on the West Coast. And so as you drive along the average uh, uh, street, let's say you're driving along Santa Monica Boulevard, you're driving along uh, La Brea, any, any average street in Los Angeles, you get the general impression that the entire countryside is thickly carpeted with uh, Taco Bell stands uh, and jack-in-the-boxes. <laughs> so everywhere you look, you see Taco Bells and people lined up in front of them. That's what's interesting. Uh, you know, there's not one of them that isn't doing a roaring business. There's a whole line of people in front of every Taco Bell stand. And uh, you look to the other side of the street, the more conservative element, of course, is lining up in front of the jack-in-the-box. Now, you've seen the jack-in-the-box. Have you ever seen those with the big, uh, funny-looking face, you know, with a revolving plastic knob and all that? Well, so this is uh, this is beginning to be... Uh, it's getting to be slowly accepted in New York City. Uh, there, yes, there will be jack-in-the-boxes. I, I see the day very coming very shortly when the average ad man, who is a you know elegant ad man type, will say to his friend, uh, Hey, Howie, uh, how about lunch today? And uh, Howie will say, Yeah, okay, uh, let's see which way the cookie goes, you know. He'll say, Well, I'll tell you, Howie, I'll meet you down at the jack-in-the-box at 47th and uh, Madison Avenue. And, uh, yeah, oh, no, no, hell with it. Uh, let's make it the, the Taco Bell. What do you say? And so this, this is a very common occurrence out on the coast these days, among otherwise sane people. Now, uh, you, <laughs> you perhaps uh, have heard rumors of the, the, uh, the high and exotic art form that has developed around the hamburger on the West Coast. Now, here we're still a bastion of conservatism. You walk in, you walk into the average McDonald here, what do you get? You get either a cheeseburger, you get a hamburger, right? Or you get something called a big boy burger or a monster burger, which just means two hamburgers, one on top of the other. That's all that means. Oh, 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 let me tell you. Oh, in California, in, in LA, the hamburger, George, has risen to heights that are almost symphonic 
in their characterizations. You walk into there's one place there's one place I went into just uh, just uh, yesterday, the day before. I walked into this place with this guy, and uh, we sat down. You know, the, the people all sitting around, the otherwise normal looking people. You know, well, sort of. I mean, after all, it's the coast. So uh, we sit down, <laughs> and this chick comes comes walking. Incidentally, in case you're curious, she was bottomless. So the chick comes up, and uh, yes, oh yes, that's very common in the in L.A. joints uh, of all types. So she comes ankling up, and she hands me this uh, this menu, which uh, was uh, cleverly disguised out of polyethylene or maybe naugahyde to look like it was hand-hewn out of redwood tree bark. Uh, everything is not what it seems to be out on the coast. You know, they, they have this pseudo-rustic thing going. So, so I'm reading what looks like a bark menu, and I open it up, see, and uh, Inside, there were about 422 various types of hamburgers. That's all they served there, but all different types. For example, uh, what kind of uh, hamburgers can you get? Well, you can get an avocado burger, for starters. Now, that's a very conservative one out there if you get an avocado burger. You can get an avocado burger with coconut fringe, if you want that. Now, you can get an avocado burger with coconut Raisins and maraschino cherries. That's a goodie. Goes down well, you know. <laughs> with that, with one quarter pound of ground meat. They always say one quarter pound of ground succulent beef. Well, now, uh, what are some of the others you can get? Well, believe it or not, I am not. I am not inventing this. I saw one consumed. I personally did not eat it. I saw one consumed. A choco burger. You can yes. Sorry, I hate to tell you this, friends. I know it's going to make a lot of you ill, and you're not going to be able to handle this for a while. But you can buy in you can buy in, in in this place. You can buy a hamburger that instead of a piece of cheese put over the hamburger when they cook it, one half of a regular size Hershey bar is laid over the hamburger. It then melts, of course. You know what chocolate does when it gets hot. It melts and makes a tasty choco confection, as they say. Well, now that's a that's a goodie to start you off the day. You try that with a little sliced onion, you got yourself something going. Uh, of course, it may affect you for years. They they, they tell me that one often causes uh, falling hair. But uh, <laughs> now now these these are just starters. Do you know what you can get? You can get a jungle burger. Well, what is a jungle burger? Jungle burger consists of a hamburger with sliced bananas atop of it and uh, shredded coconut and various other succulent fruits of the jungle, as they say, in the L.A. Now, I don't know how banana goes with ground beef, but this is a, <laughs> this is a big thing out there. Now, uh, there also, curiously enough, uh, for every action, there is a reaction, as you know, uh, that this is always the case uh, in, in every society. So, on the one hand, slob food is proliferating to a fantastic... In fact, I'll tell you one other thing about the slob food world out there. Do you know that, uh, that, uh, that they run practically regular daily reviews in the newspapers of various hamburger joints? Just the way here in New York, Clive Barnes will review a play. Well, you know that they have a, a hot dog expert who writes for the, the Los Angeles Times. Now, what is his usual review? He'll say, uh, a Big Charlie's Dingleburger was tried yesterday. Uh, Dingleburger is uh, at the corner of uh, Ashtabula and La Brea. The Dingleburger consists of two 
uh, 17-inch buns, and uh, one reputedly all-meat uh, frankfurter. Now, the Dingleburger we found to be somewhat lacking in consistency. However, it does have certain uh, qualities that we found particularly enjoyable at this time. The Dingleburger is, is served with a nicely turned crust of baked uh, mustard, which we found, yeah, you know, and it's, it's treated with all the seriousness that we here will treat a play or a book, you know. And in fact, uh, just last week out in, in L.A., the, the uh, major magazine section of the Los Angeles Times, which is the equivalent of the New York Times magazine here, uh, ran a major article, complete with pictures, uh, a, a, uh, a gourmet's guide to various hot dogs available in the town. And there were thousands of them listed, you know, with all various prices and <laughs> what. And so it's very serious out there. That's, to us, this is funny. But no, they, they seriously cut this out and carry it in their wallet. Make sure, you know, they're never caught eating a second-rate Dingleburger. This is WOR New York. And, uh, uh, oh, no, actually, I made a mistake. It was not the Dingleburger. It's the Dingle Dog. You can get a Dingle Dog and a Dingle Burger. But the review that I saw covered the review, <laughs> covered the, the, uh, and you know what else they serve with that? You curious what they serve with that? They serve a, a dish of succulent dingle greens. Uh, that's what they call our salad, a dingle green. Dingle dog, dingle green, dingle you and dingle me. Let's see. Uh, when Detroit chooses a new tire for their cars, they just go all out to get the best they can at a reasonable price, right? Well, that's theoretically what they do. And uh, the first one that they picked ever that came that was a radio tire with General's dual steel radio it was the first polyester and steel radio tire delivered to Detroit for original equipment bum, ba -dum, bum. so uh, take the lead of Detroit you know Detroit always knows what's best for you and uh, you can get these at the General Tire dealer the General Tire headquarters with a big red G in uh, let's see uh, <laughs> Yes, uh, in Norwalk, you can see Bob McCormick, State Line Tire, 80 Westport Avenue. Hey, guess it was in hands. Half a while to come. Yeah, he always up a Valentine and says, Connor, I come in to say goodbye. So I say, how come? Well, it seems Heffelmeyer is walking his feet when he runs into this guy pulling a cart loaded with 23 cases of Valentine peanuts. So he asks the guy what he's doing with that much Valentine. And the guy tells him, Officer, I just love that beer so much. When I find it on sale, I buy it all up. Well, Heffelmeyer, he's still suspicious. So he says, Okay, if you love Valentine that much, what do the three rings stand for? And the guy says, That's easy. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, well, that does it. And sure enough, they find out the beer's been swiped from O'Hara's delicatessen. And on account of what he's done, Heffelmeyer gets promoted to lieutenant, which is why I won't be walking and beat around here anymore. Some world, huh? Hey, let me get you another Valentine. Another how. And uh, we also have with us a kindly word of chuckly advice, replete with laughs a minute from the California Prune Advisory Board. Two cheeseburgers, well done. Hold the onions, hold the mayo, BLT, and hold wheat toast. Yeah, that's Kelly. That's white. California. Oh, pardon me, ma'am. I'd like to have some dessert. What do you have? Yeah, sure. We got apple, berry, cherry pie, cream puffs, cookie cups, rice, pudding, bread pudding, vanilla, strawberry, chocolate, cheesecake, pound cake, a gooseberry surprise. That's wonderful. Uh, I think I'll have some prunes. Prunes? <laughs> 
You want prunes? Yes. I'd like to have a bowl of prunes. Mention prunes, and people just naturally break up. Maybe they still don't know that pound for pound, prunes have more iron, niacin, and vitamin B2 than the six leading fresh fruits. And eight times the vitamin A of the most popular fresh fruit. They're even good for your complexion. It's about time people gave another thought to the California prune. The funny fruit that does so much for you. Look, I just want some prunes. Put them in a bag. I'll take them home. Yes, isn't that nice? It was about as fake a laugh as I've heard ever since I first heard Phyllis Diller. Yes, how about the house of Chan there? Oh, the gang there. Get out there and lay in some wonton soup. That's the, the great classical traditional Chinese food is uh, served at uh, the House of Chan. By the way, they have about five different menus there for the different areas of China. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, they're open seven days a week, which is rare of a New York restaurant. Any of you know what it's like trying to find a restaurant here in town on Sunday, curiously enough. But uh, the House of Chan is going full blast on Sunday, and uh, they're open from... Well, about noontime, and they stay open till uh, till midnight. They have a nice bar, and the food is great. And they've been there for 35 years, so they must be doing something damn right. I'll tell you what they're doing. They're making great food. So, the House of Chan, 7th Avenue and 52nd Street, right in the heart of the Big Apple. By the way, their prices are extraordinarily reasonable by today's standards. You might even put... Uh, uh, put Skidmore on that one. He's always looking for places to eat. But don't strip him like a banana. Well, tell him to try, <laughs> tell him to try the house of Chan. 7th Avenue and 52nd Street. Food is good. Hey, you know, uh, one other thing that, uh, you know, that when coming back, I have to repeat what's going on. You know, this is going to be broadcast in L.A. Did you know this show tonight? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the show is rebroadcast over the Pacifica Station in L.A., and uh, any of you uh, guys that are listening out there, <laughs> a little message here. Uh, I, I personally have always been a great fan of slob food. In fact, one of the earliest uh, TV shows that I did for, uh, for, uh, for PBS was a genuine salute to slob food, which I think never gets its just due. I mean, uh, I, mean I think the peanut butter and jelly sandwich has a curious... Uh, uh, appeal, uh, regardless of the fact that you can constantly put it down, it still tastes damn good. Uh, I, I, there are other bits of slob food that I, I appreciate, so I'm not putting down slob food. I'm only saying, though, that I think Los Angeles is the first city where slob food has become the major food. Usually it's just sort of on the sidelines, you know, it's uh, hanging around the edges. But man, I want to tell you, uh, the, the, the taco, well, now, what is a taco bell? You, you, you never, you, you have never seen a taco bell here? Do they have them in this area? Well, a Taco Bell is uh, is a major institution uh, that uh, has uh, proliferated, th in fact, throughout the West. It's not just L.A. You see them in the, in Denver. You see them in the Albuquerque. And eventually, I imagine, they'll, they'll finally slowly work their way here. I hope they do, actually. The Taco Bell is a... Is, uh, they all look the same. Right in the front, they're little low places. They're made out of fake adobe. You know, like a little Mexican place. They got a little adobe porch, and you don't go into them. You only walk up to them, and they have this window. You walk in, and there's three kids with skin trouble. 
working in the back there. See, and they're wearing this, <laughs> yeah, they're wearing this fake, uh, fake Mexican type hat and stuff. See, and it says Taco Bell on them. Well, uh, in front of the place, there is a, uh, there is what looks like a, a sort of a fake well. It's it's a, it's a round thing made out of fake adobe brick, and it's covered like a great big pile in the middle of it is fake charcoal uh, embers, fake embers, and they, they blow uh, they blow gas through it, which they light. The thing is burning. See, you think, when you drive past, you think, gee, it must be great. They must be, uh, they must be uh, roasting oxen there. Uh, you know, they're making tacos over an open coal fire, but don't you get taken in by that. That's just a fake, see. You walk up to the place, and they have about nine different dishes they make. They make a burrito. You know, what is it, a burrito? Well, a burrito is a, like a big taco. You know, what is it, a taco? You know what a taco itself is? Well, this is like bread, really, see. It's a, it's a, it's a big thing, see. It's, it's thin. It's this white dough. And they fold it over refried beans. That's a burrito. That's actually, yeah, you're actually eating beans, is what you're eating. A bean sandwich, a Mexican bean sandwich. Well, now, when you walk up to the Taco Bell, you have immediately a theological choice. You can get the, the conventional or the classical burrito, or you can say, burrito with the hato sauce, which means you get the burrito with the hot sauce. And you better be prepared to drink about five gallons of water after you've knocked that one down. Your eyeballs sweat, believe me. So, uh, also the taco is served. You can get the, uh, you can get the junior taco, you can get the senior taco, or you can get the deluxe taco, which weighs maybe a pound and a half and drips all over your knees when you try to eat it. Now, <laughs> you know what a taco is. You've had that folded sandwich. Well, there are various other types of, uh, of quick, uh, quick order uh, Mexican food that is served in the taco. No, no, nothing like chili. You don't get any, it's all carry-out stuff. And so these guys knock it off. They have a whole assembly line. And he writes down four tacos, one burrito, and uh, two Cokes and uh, one root beer. And uh, bam, 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 out it comes. You pay the guy and you walk away. And you sit in your car and you eat your tacos. Now, this, this, is, a, this is a big thing out on the coast. Uh, there are other places uh, which have slowly spread. Uh, I, I think the jack-in-the-box reaches its final apogee uh, in the L.A. area. Now, there's other things that have to do with, uh, with food. Now, since... You know, let's face it, uh, slob food is not, the, is not considered the, the greatest of nutritional-type foods, right? And it has proliferated. Naturally, the, 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 the reaction is also evident. So every, between every Taco Bell and the joint where they sell these, these real big, soggy burritos and these gigantic avocado hamburgers dripping with fat and gunk, uh, between each one of those places... There nestles all kinds of places called like uh, the Tibetan goat, uh, uh, Kurds and Whey. These are typical names of these joints. These are where uh, the Angelino goes to dry out for a week or two after a, after a strenuous bout with Taco Bells and hamburgers. These are health food joints. But each one is very specialized now and has curious religious overtones. So... Eating is not just eating on the coast. It is now a major, like it is in almost, like it always was in almost every decadent society from Rome on down. It's a, it's a major event of the day. And you don't just walk in and sit down in a health food joint and eat. You don what looks like a sari. And uh, 
and uh, there are quiet, tinkling temple bells in the background. And you slowly sink down to the floor, which is sprinkled with uh, sand from the actual mountain upon which Buddha walked uh, two weeks before the final event. And you sink down upon the sand wearing your, wearing your sari. And uh, the, the waitress or the waiter, usually with long golden hair down to the ankles, comes sweeping up to you. It's like Shangri-La. And the waiter says mystic words like, Allah, Samalada, whoa. And you return with the same thing. You bow, touch your forehead, and you go, Ungala, Malagunga. And at which point he brings you your beans and rice. Now, uh, <laughs> or, you know, or something equally. Usually it's stuff like uh, uh, camel curd cheese. Uh, from actual camels that are kept in the San Fernando Valley just to produce cheese for the camel curd cheese company and uh, various other types of things. Of course, after about six or seven months on this kind of diet, your fingernails are now falling out and your bones are turning to spaghetti, you generally have to be sent back to the Taco Bell for real food for a while. And uh, so, so this, the Angelino, he generally vacillates between going to places, you know, called uh, the, the Alpine Edelweiss, at which point uh, they, they, drink, they drink only uh, specially flown in goat's milk from, from the same mountain that Heidi worked. Uh, this is considered very healthy, so they'll drink this and live on that. And then they'll go back, back and forth, they swing. It is a land of extremes. Now, You've all heard about the attitude towards cars out on the coast, right? Well, I had an exotic experience happen to me that I, I'm going to tell it to you exactly the way it happened. You want to hear, George, what? Uh, that, that only in a, in a city where the car is so ubiquitous, it, you cannot imagine a man in, in Los Angeles or a person above the age of puberty who does not have a car. No way. It's just like imagining a guy living in New York... Uh, and making his way around town who simply doesn't own a pair of shoes. It is an unimaginable thing. You cannot imagine a guy carrying out without shoes, right? Now, you may go barefoot occasionally, but you've got a pair of shoes somewhere. In Los Angeles, the car is as ubiquitous as shoes. It's not a status symbol, I repeat to you. It's only a status symbol, the car, in places where the car is rare, obviously. Cars are universal in L.A., so the car has lost practically all of its status symbolism. I hate to disappoint a lot of writers who keep thinking it is, but that's because they come from Brooklyn where hardly anybody owns a car, right? <laughs> but uh, seriously, it would never occur to a writer in Los Angeles that a car is a status symbol any more than to write about a guy's underwear as a status symbol. Just ain't true. Uh, out in L.A., you either got a car or you're living in Forest Lawn. Uh, it's just about that. You know what Forest Lawn is? Well, that's the major uh, funeral emporium out there. It's a gigantic cemetery that has canned music playing day and night. Uh, Non-denominational canned music, but they play. <laughs> so, uh, nevertheless, out in, in, uh, in Los Angeles, the car has, has become a universal thing. Everybody has a car. Now, what does this cause? Well, it causes some curious, uh, you might say, side effects begin with, the car has lost its identity. And so just a couple of years ago, this happened to me, the first time I'm out in L.A. on business, 
I'm riding along one of the freeways, actually, the San Diego freeway, and I'm driving along the freeway with this guy, this friend of mine. See, we're hurdling along. By the way, the freeways, if you've never driven on a freeway and, uh, and, and are planning to do it, uh, I would suggest that you do a lot of push-ups before you go out to the coast. Uh, eat a lot of carrots so that your eyesight is good. Uh, do a lot of things to improve your reflex action. You know, do some uh, chin-up stuff and uh, run around the block a lot. Because driving along the, any one of the freeways, the Santa Monica Freeway, the San Diego Freeway, is like taking a ride on a major and highly dangerous ride in some manic amusement park. I mean, they hurdle. They do not ride. They hurdle. And uh, it's not at all uncommon on a uh, on an average day for an accident to occur on the San Diego freeway that involves 175 cars. They just keep whamming into each other. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And uh, sometimes there's a whole line of, of mangled iron that stretches for nine miles, uh, practically all the way to uh, Palm Springs, which is 100 miles in the desert. So uh, you've got to be ready for anything. And, uh, and w plus the fact that L.A., like many tropical places today, has two groups of uh, drivers that cause driving to be very exciting. Uh, there are large numbers of octogenarians live there. I mean, these are people who are 80 years old and over, many of whom have not received a driver's test since they got their first driver's license in Ames, Iowa, in 1902, when they... <laughs> when they were driving their their uh, their uncle's uh, uh, simplex crane or crane simplex around the farm. And they have been licensed ever since. Now, many of these old duffers and women, too, have, eye, have, have eyesight that enables them to see clearly the dashboard. Beyond that, it is a gray haze. Uh, many of them have not seen the hood of their car for many years. And so they boom along the freeway at 87 miles an hour, absolutely unheeding the, of, of the law of gravity or whatever else. Now, there's another group of drivers that you find is another exciting crowd. There's a great crowd of guys under 20 who are three-quarters of the day totally bombed out of their skull, who have, like many drug-oriented people, have a feeling of immortality. So they hurtle down the freeway... <laughs> <laughs> at 107 miles an hour, uh, and everything is a gray-purple haze in front of them. So between the octogenarian and the guy that's high on, on H or, 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 the, or the little C or, or a pot or whatever it might be, you have, you have a large collection of people who simply haven't seen the road in years, and they go roaring along. In fact, I saw them pulling a kid out. I'll tell you a funny scene. I saw, I saw on the San Diego freeway some guy for some insane reason, uh, driving along, suddenly he backed right off the road. He's going like 100 miles an hour. Suddenly he just backed right up, and he's, he's halfway up a hill with his car pointing down with the, both sides squashed in. Remember that guy? And they are pulling him out. I could see the cops, and this guy's eye, he's got three eyes in his head. He's staggering around, you know, obviously bombed out of his bird. What he hit, I don't know. About 20 minutes later, I see four octogenarians being hauled out of the bushes. They had just clobbered about 15 people. So out there, uh, driving on any one of these freeways can be a highly exhilarating experience. Very exciting. And uh, so this is, this is part of the life out there. But 
I'm driving along with this friend of mine out on the San Diego freeway. You know, we're whipping along. And uh, I didn't know what much to say to him. He really wasn't a friend of mine, just a guy I knew was seeing. And I hadn't seen him for some time. You don't know what to say to a guy. And uh, we're booming along, and the smog is swirling on either. It's not really smog in the New York sense. Uh, uh, there, there's a curious haze that hangs in Los Angeles all the time. It's kind of a yellowish color. And uh, some people who have sensitive eyes have been known to have burning eyeballs for years on end. I'm not one of those, luckily, but uh, people I was with, they just constantly wiping their eyes and pouring Visine in their eyes and all that. So we're, we're, we're rolling along the San Diego freeway, and I'm looking for something to make uh, small talk with. And, uh, and I see that we're in the, you know, kind of a new car. So I said to the guy, says, hey, uh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of interested in cars. And I said to him, uh, hey, uh, uh, Warren, uh, what kind of car is this? Well, what is this? Uh, is this is this one of those new Cougars, you know? And uh, he looks looks at the car, and he looks at me with a funny look. He says, what do you mean? I said, what kind of a car is this? He says, oh, what kind of a car? He says, oh, how, he says, how the hell should I know? It's my wife's. Okay. Uh, here was a guy who did not know what kind of a car his wife had. And he lived with her. He was driving his wife's car, but he still, it was, the car has so little identity out there, he didn't even know what kind it was. So I, I laughed, see, and he said, what, you know, he couldn't understand what I was laughing at. I laughed. I says, you know, I can't, I can't conceive of a guy driving his wife's car, and he doesn't even know what kind of a car she owns. He said, oh, well, I, I don't know, I guess, the, he didn't quite get it, see. He says, well, I guess it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's probably a, a cougar or something, I don't know. And so we just drove on. Well, now that, that was significant. I didn't realize how significant it was until what happened to me just two days ago has to be reported. I'm staying. When, when I got out there, of course, I get out of the, got out of the airplane. Uh, you know, we flew out, and uh, it's the middle of the afternoon. Now, you've got to have a car out there. There's no conceivable way. So the rental car is a major business out there. I mean, it's just fantastic. So I immediately go to the, the Hertz place. And uh, I walk over there, and uh, they uh, they said okay, and they 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 give me this uh, this uh, little ticket to wait for my car to come. I you know made all the arrangements, and they look at your driver's license and the whole bit. And uh, sure enough, about eight seconds later, the car whips up in front of me, and here I am. I've got oh, they actually take me out in this little bus. That's the way they do. They get a bus, see. So they take you out in this big lot, tremendous lot with about twelve thousand cars, as far as the eye can see. And this is the Hertz lot, millions of cars. And uh, they take me up and down row after row after row after row of cars. And finally, we stop in front of this brown Pinto station wagon. Now, you got it? It's a brown Pinto station wagon. And uh, the girl says, uh, this is your car. So okay. So I unload all the stuff, throw it in the car. And uh, I get into the car. I throw the key on. And now I'm off, right? So I drive, I drive out of the lot. And uh, I drive down the street. And by the way, out in, in uh, they had a lot of great things out in L.A. that we do not have here in New York. For one thing, do you know that as you drive into the airport or around the airport, they have big signs that say, tune your radio to 5.30 on the dial. And when you get your radio set to 5.30 on the dial, they have a, a an airport radio station that does nothing but broadcast stuff pertinent to what's happening today. For example, 
you tune in there, and the guy says, uh, flight number 422, American Airlines to Albuquerque, will be 27 minutes late in arriving. That means there will be a 30-minute delay in boarding flight 522 to Albuquerque. Flight uh, 7, TWA to New York City, will be on time. Flight 9, and you know, it's kind of great. You just hear all this stuff. Then they give you traffic stuff, uh, stuff like uh, uh, those passengers who are uh, emplaning on TWA number 7 for New York City will take the left lane as they arrive at the ramp. There is a delay in the right lane. Please take the left lane. And, you know, this is kind of great. They tell you where to get cabs and all that stuff. In addition to that, you know what they also have out there? Because the car is so ubiquitous and has been accepted as a reality in, uh, in L.A. that whenever you drive through a tunnel or a bridge, they have a special antenna and a tunnel transmitter system so that when you drive in, your car radio does not stop. It automatically continues. In other words, your radio would continue as you go right through the Holland Tunnel here, giving you traffic information and so on. New York is way behind the times, friends. <laughs> way behind the times. It really is. They've even got these things in Pittsburgh. New York, well, we're still flubbing around, you know. We got those old wind-up Motorola radios in our car that, you know, were made in 1932. But uh, nevertheless, I, I, I got my car, see, so I drive in. To the hotel. Now, the hotel I'm staying at was where I was doing this show. I was doing a show from the for the uh, National Association of Record Manufacturers. It was a tremendous hotel, Century Plaza. The thing is is like a gigantic uh, Pan Am building turned upside down on its side. An enormous thing. So I'm way up on the 18th floor. Now, when you drive in, they take your car. They have a tremendous garage, big system. You know, all kinds of guys come and take your car. And, and the, the, the minute you want your car, you go down, you tell them what room you're in, and bam, your car comes, right? So uh, I don't use the car for a couple of days because I'm there rehearsing the show. Well, finally, one day, I decided I had to have the car. So I called down. I said, this is uh, Shepard. I'm in room 1835. I like my car. The guy says, okay, right away, sir. So I go down, and here's this great big ramp, esplanade. People, cars are coming in about nine lanes of them. Boy, it's fantastic. Well, I see parked over to the left there, I see a brown Pinto station wagon. Well, I figured that you know, must be my car. So I walk over, and I look in the car. I see, no way can it be my car. I see this great big golf bag, tremendous golf bag in the back of it. And I see a pair of prescription glasses on the on the, on the the dashboard, believe it or not. And there's a pair of tennis shoes. I said, oh, no, that's not my car. So I walk back. So I wait and I wait and I wait and a lot of people are getting their cars. And finally, I realize I'm not going to get my car. So I go up to the guy and I say, where's my car? He said, what row are you in? I said, it's 1835. He said, oh, that car's gone. It's been gone a long time. I said, what? I said, I didn't take it. He said, well, it's gone. You drove it out. I said, no, I didn't. At which point, he calls the kid, and each kid has a certain set of rooms that he handles. And he says, yeah, a lady got in and drove it away. 1835. I said, that's not Somebody took my car. Oh, he says, oh, well, that happens all the time. He says, uh, that's probably her car over there. So I walk over, and I, yeah, I look in again. I says, well, how, how could she take it? I mean, my car has... Uh, Nothing in it. My car's empty. But hers has got this golf bag in the back. It's got the glasses up on the up on the dash. It's exactly the same color car and everything, but it's got, the, you know, all the stuff. He says, oh, they do that all the time. He says, nobody looks at his car. He just gets in and drives away. 
I said, well, what am I going to do? He said, well, take her car. So I said, okay. I get in and I drive off. So I'm driving around with this, this person's car. It's got the golf bags and glasses and the tennis shoes and all that. So I go to my appointment. I come back and my car still hasn't returned. I said, well, what about my car? What am I going to do? So they'll bring it back. They probably don't even know they got the wrong one. I said, well, how can, he, how can that happen? I said, what do you mean, not going to happen? It happens all the time. You know, they just didn't drive away. Well, sure enough, uh, he was right. My car was gone all night and most of the next day. And all of a sudden, it was driven back in at noon the next day. No comment made, just driven in and put down in the garage. <laughs> and, uh, which makes me believe that people out there, the car is so common and so ubiquitous that nobody even looks at it, even when the most obvious things are there. Oh, and then, then I talked to the guy down on the ramp. I said, hey, come on, you're, you're putting me on. No, he says, we get three or four of those a day. People just get in, jump in, drive off. They drive all the way to Utah before they find out they don't have their own car. I said, how can they do it? You mean, you mean uh, with, with luggage? He said, oh, yeah. He says, we had one guy drive all the way to Reno, Nevada. He said, with, uh, with a strange lady sitting in the back. He just didn't even know who was in the car. I said, oh, come on. He said, no, no, really. We have it all the time. He said, look, look, bud, I'd like to talk to you, but I'm busy. Hey, number 428, drive it over here in the left lane. At then. <laughs> round and round it goes. It never stops. So uh, things are happening, friends, out there in the big world that have little to do with uh, what's going on in Brooklyn. We're a little enclave of the old, old days right here. W.O.R. New York, you stay tuned for Lester Smith and the news, of course. And this is the news in detail on the hour.